0: Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. This week's episode features some content from our recent Decoded Future event in New York. Sustainability and social good were key themes of the day. So here's an inspiring panel moderated by me on Brands as Change Leaders. Thank you very much. Thank you, Antonia. As you say, uh, what an incredible privilege to have these brands with us. Um, I feel very lucky to be hosting this conversation. Speaking of which, I'm going to get out of the way as quickly as possible, because we only have 30 minutes, and I want to hear as much as possible from you guys. So first of all, um, I'd like you to sort of introduce yourselves briefly uh, and then ask, answer this question of why you feel that brands communicating with purpose is impactful. Specifically, I'd like to know what you think um, the the consumer need that's being addressed is um, that makes purposeful campaigns more effective right now than any other kind of marketing? So um, let's start with Jane. Sure.
1: Hi, I'm Jane Pryor. I'm the CMO of All Market Inc., which includes Vitacoco coconut water, Ever and Ever, and Runa uh, organic energy drink. So, um, you know, from our point of view, um, I think it's really an expectation these days that brands communicate with purpose. It's no longer an option, right? Consumers expect that brands have, you know, something in their DNA that is more than just what they produce. It's really why they produce it. Um, And uh, I think that's really driving how brands are behaving these days. Um, I also think that, um, you know, in terms of how um, brands go about this, it's it's dangerous to think about it as a campaign. It really needs to be rooted in the DNA of a brand, you know, um, because otherwise consumers think about it as, you know, you're appropriating a call. So it really has to be a substantive stand that you're taking and um, really be integrated in, in, into how you behave and how you communicate as a brand. So I think that's why it is, it's most impactful when it's really rooted in what the brand stands for and what, what and the products that they make.
0: Great. Jay? Yeah.
2: Um, Thank you. I'm Jay Curley. Hi, everyone. I run integrated marketing for Ben & Jerry's. You know, I think I'd look at it two ways. I think from a business perspective, um, you know, unless you're a commodity or a monopoly, you're building a brand and a connection with your customers. We found the strongest way to do that is based on shared values and experiences and a journey to create change together. Um, For Ben and Jerry's, that's led to good business results. But I would say the bigger need, it's not consumer-driven, per se. It's societal-driven. Businesses post-World War II have become the most dominant force in human society. And to be blunt, we are fucked. (laughs) The world is on fire. And income inequality, if it keeps going the way it's going, will lead to massive revolutions. Um, you don't have to be a futurist to see that, you have to be a historian, right? And so that's the landscape. The opportunity for business is to take all that creativity, all that intelligence, all that discipline that we apply to you know, creating products and services, apply that to creating change in the world Do it in a way that is authentic and and isn't a campaign. Uh, And we can get there. You know, that gets me excited, and that's what we try to do at Ben and Jerry's. Fantastic.
0: Corley.
3: Yeah, thanks. Um, Hi, Corley Kenna. I lead the communications team at Patagonia Um, and totally agree with uh, what my counterparts here have said. Um, I think what we're seeing right now is um, a really urgent need to evolve capitalism. Um, it's worked, but it's not working anymore, and the planet is on fire. It's urgent that we do something about it. Um, the wealth disparity that our current system of capitalism is um, making worse needs to be addressed. And. I think I totally agree with Jay. I think that businesses have a real role to play in all of this, not obviously in that sort of evolution of capitalism, but in the credibility that we have um, on the issues that we work on as a business um, and also to be bringing along our community with that. And I think um, for sure there is this expectation that we do that, um, and now it's, it is. It's not marketing. It's, um, it's about being sort of fundamentally woven into how your business is run. Thank you. Nancy.
4: Hi. Uh, I'm Nancy King. I, um, my title has changed. I used to lead brand <laughs> at Airbnb. Now I lead marketing at Airbnb. And um, it's hard to go last because everybody <laughs> said really good things. But I think... The the fundamental need is to be in control of your decisions. I think increasingly people feel like decisions are being made on their behalf, and they don't realize that it's happening. You know, technology, Silicon Valley is really you know driving a lot of that. But simultaneously, a, a lot of the institutions that help people make decisions have broken down: the church, your neighborhood, your community. And I think because of that. And because of, you know, the power that companies wield, the amount of capital that they have, um, the amount of influence that they have, that people are looking to companies to help them make decisions. And, And in order to do that, they have to understand what drives and motivates a company. How does that company make decisions? What do they care about? And so I think sort of the birth of more purposeful uh, companies and the extension of that as marketing has come from this really significant cultural shift that's taking place in our world.
0: So, I think you've we, all mentioned or talked about the power of brands or the potential power of brands in this space. Um, now, at Stylist, we recently did a, a macro trend on sustainability, and as part of that, I was researching how you communicate as a brand. Your, your message in this way and found this terrifying. Statistic, uh, which said that um, uh, consumers cannot correctly match more than half of brands to the cause that they promote. So, I guess my question is, do you fi- do you feel that to be true? And if and if if so, how do you how do you cut through? How do you make that message cut through? So, Nancy, I'll start with you.
4: Yeah, I think that it is. It's because. Um, it's not just about the brand, you know. A lot of, um, I think, a lot of sort of purpose marketing um, originates from either the marketing team, the comms team, and I, I'm a marketer. I love marketing and comms. But if if the source of the the narrative you want to tell is doesn't come from the decisions that the company are making from the executive team at the company, then one it will just seem like you know you're trying to leverage sort of purpose to drive something else and and i think it'll be very hard to communicate with purpose over time i think one of the things about sort of purpose driven comms is that they're they're not like roi positive necessarily they're not short term plays in your marketing strategy and so if what you care about and talk about isn't something that you're willing to invest in over a period of time and that your leaders in your company want to invest in then you won't end up getting the budget or the the leeway to communicate about it over time. And and as a result, then, you know, people will think that they won't associate you with whatever it is that you're talking about. And so I think that it really has to, you have to figure out from the leadership of your company, what are the things you really, really care about and are willing to invest in, uh, even if that creates negativity, even if that... Um, potentially, has you, you forego profitability because of that. Like you know, it has to be something you are really willing to invest in in the long term.
0: Who else would like to address that?
3: I'll just say I think at Patagonia, um, you know, we've been like taking care of the planet and protecting wild places has been really fundamental to our business for a long time, and we talk about it all the time. Um, yet still, I think we're known as like sometimes you get, aren't you that company that does stuff for the environment? Like, it's very rare that we're suing the president right now (laughs) over the protection of Bears Ears, and we're still, like, that company that's doing something for the planet sometimes. Um, And so it is hard to cut through, and I think one of the ways to do that a little bit is to stay disciplined on one thing, and I think that's been... Um, One of the things that we've done well is over, you know, since our company was founded, to really stay focused and committed to protecting the planet. But, um, and I think in addition to staying disciplined to it, there's a reason why we do it. It's because our company was created to be able to explore wild places. And so we feel very responsible for protecting those wild places. And I think that helps, but still It is hard to break through, and I think you have to keep talking about it. You have to embed it in everything you do. It has to be reflected in your supply chain, in your marketing. Even our accounting team takes um, our mission, which is to save our home planet, just as seriously as the people on our environmental activism team. And I think that's crucial if you want to have a chance at breaking through.
2: Uh, Just to build on that and... What I find, and to be clear, I am a Patagonia fanboy, so. <laughs> but um, yeah, we what I think you do so well, and we aspire to do, is you're not focused on making commercials or Facebook posts that just say we care about the world. You're doing stuff. You're suing the president, um, and not as a gratuitous PR stunt. You're doing it to protect the the land and the environment, and. I would say that's where the authenticity comes. It's not in just storytelling, right? It's not just in, it's doing the work. You know, if every company in here goes home and puts solar panels on their factories and their um, headquarters, guess what? We're still screwed. (laughs) Every company in here uses their connection with their customers, uses their influence in their countries to put a price on carbon, Maybe we got a chance, you know. So, action matters.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think um, it's also important for the for brands to understand like what you know issues they can take a stand on and and. How they can make an impact in in our case, um, and I'll be very honest. Like, purpose is not at the root of why we created VitaCoco. We created it to bring coconut water, and natural product, to the U.S. so consumers could drink a better product and you know move away from artificial um, ingredients. And over time, we realized that you know we needed to have a much more. Um, substantial um, social impact platform, and we looked at ourselves and said, well, what can we do well, and what do we do well? And and, and in in our case, it's, you know, we rely on the communities that we source our coconuts from, so we feel we are in a unique position to bring social and economic um, um, progress to those communities, because, again, we wouldn't be here without them, and that was a unique place that we could actually make an impact. We had intelligence, we had technology, we had expertise, that we could help to bring those communities out of poverty. So that's what we chose to lean in on. And I think that helps, to your point, to enable it, um, a consumer to understand why the brand is talking about this and why the brand has a role, because they're, they're in a position to be able to, to do something about it, exactly like um, the Patagonia team, which are obviously, you know, best in class at this. But truly putting action behind um, the purpose as opposed to talking about it, I think, is key. Um,
0: so uh, yeah, I want to talk about this idea of finding a focus if you haven't had this baked into your brand from the beginning as Patagonia has as Ben Jerry's has. Um, you know we've seen a, a, a number of brands in the past few months taking on a purposeful stance. One that springs to mind is, is Gillette with their toxic masculinity campaign, which some people f- some people felt didn't work was a was a strange mashing up of, of two things which hadn't been close before. Um, I think for Gillette. I've heard them speak and they said it was successful from a brand awareness perspective, but clearly that's an example of a brand who, in the public's mind, have never had any sort of purpose before and now suddenly are, are, are telling them where they're going wrong. To some extent, they felt like it was very preachy. How do you, how do you find a focus that works, should you, if you are you know, an FMCG brand that doesn't have any particular relationship to social causes, and how, how can a legacy brand do, th- do this effectively?
1: Yeah, I'll take that, you know, just the first part of that. I think from um, Gillette's perspective, they are... An, an unfortunate example of a brand that's taking a stand in their ad versus actually taking a stand, and that's how sort of consumers interpreted it. To you know, mm-hmm. to Nancy's point, it was about leveraging a moment, or at least that's how it was perceived. It wasn't perceived that there was real substance behind it. And I mm-hmm. think that's the danger for brands who, you know, legacy brands who don't have core sort of purpose up in their in their roots or in their DNA. Um, so I think um, to kind of the earlier points, if if you are a brand that wants to take on stand on something, you need to think about how it. You know, really fits within your organization and how it can be reflected throughout your, every part of your business, whether it's your supply chain or whether it's, um, again, it's, it, it can't just be for marketing purposes or it will fall short uh, with the consumer.
0: But i I'd be interested to hear from you on this, Jay, yeah. because it's kind of like you know, Ben & Jerry's has been known for this six-year yeah. dot.
2: I think where Patagonia has been single, singularly focused on the environment for 40-plus years, We have been more focused on a nebulous concept of justice, and so you know, everyone will interpret Ben and Jerry's purpose in a different way. Some people know our work for around marriage equality; others know our support around racial justice. It's kind of all over the place, to be honest with you. Um, For us, I don't see that as a bad thing. (laughs) I see that as an opportunity um, to use different doorways. To bring people into movements that we can help together create a better society. Um, but I think I, I, I have seen brands do this really well, legacy brands that, you know, our, our sister brand Dove, you know, they had a, a lot of heritage around doing work around women's self esteem. And in the last year or so, I've seen them really transition to action. Right, so they're currently in California working to get a bill passed around hair equality. Right now, you can be fired in California, in most states, for having dreadlocks or different hairdos. Like that really disproportionately affects Black Americans. And for Dove, they wanted to do more, and I think for them it was more comfortable to focus on hair because they, you know, they make shampoo. <laughs> and I think for most brands, that's the right thing. Right? Do something that's really true to who you are. That there's a basic connection um, with your customers and your product. So that's where I would start. Um, for better, for worse, you know, we just made an ice cream about front-end criminal justice reform.
0: So yeah. Well, this is yeah. I mean, I want to talk about this. I mean, what's really interesting about about that example and you know the Dove example and, and Patagonia suing the president is that we're talking about brands now stepping in. Into areas of law and policy, and actually, and public good. So, you know, this is to me, it seems like a very exciting opportunity. In some respects, in terms of like, they're filling a gap that that consumers feel is no longer being filled by Mm -hmm. the usual suspects.
2: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Now, brands are showing up in a transparent way, advocating for the common good. Businesses are always continuously in the back room writing checks that they're not talking about. So to say that businesses are now just starting to show up to impact government, businesses own government. right? So now they're, in a good way, there are a handful of brands and more and more of us every day that are trying to take that power that we have, that responsibility that we have, and use it for the common good, not our own self-interest. But OK, sorry, go
3: ahead. I'll just add on to that. I think um, we often hear that we're getting too political. And um, I will admit that I am a political hack. I worked a long time in government um, and on campaign, so both sides. I love it. I think that's an interesting part of our society. I totally disagree that we're getting more political. I think what we're doing is getting sharper about asking our leaders to address climate change. That is inherently not political. Mm -hmm. Um, This is just about taking on this responsibility to protect our planet in a different way and to ask our leaders for policies that will protect our planet. And I think there's a whole lot to kind of unpack, and we could probably spend the rest of the day talking about sort of the checks that companies write, the products that they create and the policies that they advocate for and how you sort of rationalize all of that. Um, But I do think it's important for companies to fill in when leadership lacks. And whether that's at a really local level, at a community level, or in the federal government, um, I think that companies do have a role in society to... To fill, and especially when it's a pressing problem like climate change, like justice, um, these are issues that all of us as individuals, and certainly as big companies with brands behind it, to advocate for and to kind of find find your way. And um, just in terms of best practices, I, the one that I would offer here um, is. You know, certainly find something that you're credible on as a company, Um, but importantly, don't surprise your community. Bring them along. Like, don't. I think one of the things about the Gillette ad that could have gone really different is if they had prepared their community for what they were doing. It felt a little like, eh, why why now? What? What is this? I think they probably could have gotten away with it um, in a probably more positive way if they had brought people along longer. When we made the decision to sue the president, we didn't just drop that on our community. We had spent, well, we'd spent a long time for many years talking about the importance of protecting public lands. But when we knew that that was going to be a possibility, we started to talk about it right away. We engaged our community in um, lobbying the government to protect this place. I mean, it wasn't just dropped. And I think it's a really important part of if you're going to launch a big campaign that could be um, seen as controversial or partisan or divisive, um, bring the community along and it will, it will take that away in a, in a big way.
4: Yeah, I think um, we had we a long internal debate um, about whether we were being too political, whether, whether we were perceived as being anti-Trump from some of the things that we were doing. And, um, and one of the examples was uh, we <clears throat> when Trump um, uh, was talking about what he called the shithole countries, Um, We made a reaction, we reacted to that, and we um, made a video showing the vibrant tourist economies in those countries. We have uh, tens of thousands of people whose livelihood and, like, economic empowerment depends on driving tourism to those countries. And so in that moment, we made a decision that, yes, it was kind of, seemed anti-Trump. It was, we were reacting against what the president was talking about, but it was also completely aligned with our business. Like, we didn't want to ruin tourism for a number of countries in the world that are actually pretty incredible just because of what our leader was talking about. And so we try to be really deliberate about the decisions that we make where, yeah, it, it certainly was for our own benefit. Our company will benefit, our community will benefit from, from people traveling to those countries. Um, but we felt like uh, we needed to get political because we really didn't believe in the conversation that was taking place.
0: Well, I'd like to delve into this question a bit more actually about about if you if you do take a stand, and you attract negative reaction, is that a bad thing necessarily? I mean, clearly, all, all four of you have had your fair share of, of negative reaction, but you're still coming strong. Um, I'd like to talk particularly about a recent y- your your recent marketing around. Um, uh, the, well, you you had a social media, <laughs> yeah. shall we say. Moment. Moment. Um, And I'd love to hear about how you reacted to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that wasn't kind of um, necessarily purpose-driven comms, but it was, again, it sort of like ties back to the ongoing conversation here about authenticity, knowing who you are, what you stand for, um, and having those common values with your consumer. And in our case, you know, we were tapping into the insight that coconut water is incredibly polarizing from a taste profile perspective. And we introduced a new product um, called Press Coconut. took us 15 years to figure out that People expect coconut water to taste like coconut, um, and, and that that was a really, you know, eye-opening moment that um, brought a lot, was, you know, a potential to bring a lot of new people into the brand. So we launched a campaign called "Impossible to Hate," and um, on the day that we launched it, we took to Twitter and engaged with people who had said really, really, really terrible things about coconut water, and asked them to try our new product because, again, we really stand by um, the the product and the integrity. Um, and quality. And um, in this instance, we uh, we had a gentleman who engaged with us and uh, suggested that we, <laughs> our social media person, uh, that he would rather drink their pee. So in this instance, she uh, went to the bathroom stall, took a picture, <laughs> and sent it to him. And uh, the, the response was uh, phenomenal. Um, People really loved how sort of honest, um, self-deprecating, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously we were as a brand, yeah. and um, propelled this like massive conversation on Twitter. And it was, you know, we are in a position to take a risk because we're an independent um, company, and again, we really stand behind you know who we are and, and the products that we make. Um, so in this instance, we were able to kind of like poke fun at ourselves and engage with a, a naysayer and um, to, with great results. I mean, ultimately, you sort of have to believe that there are more people who love your brand than, than hate your brand. And, and and oftentimes, and especially when it comes to, you know, to bring it back to purpose, you know, if you take a stand on something, you have to believe that your community will come be, come come behind you and come with you on the journey. And I think that um, goes back to the point of, make, you know, you do these things um, as part of who you are and how you behave. It's much more authentic to the consumer. And therefore, you know, not surprising in a... It's always great to surprise and delight the consumer, but it, it needs to be rooted yeah. in who you are. And
0: I mean, I guess I can see how um, certain brands, like, say, Nike, aren't particularly too concerned about alienating certain people. I mean, obviously, they are. every brand wants to be a mass brand, right? But, but some brands need to be mass, more mass than others. Mm-hmm. An ice cream brand, for instance, yeah. is generally supposed to be appealing to everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the idea of alienating some of your potential customers?
2: If we're doing things that no one thinks is, uh, there's no resistance to, we're perpetuating the status quo. Simple as that. Um, so we're not farming for you know, negative reactions, but it is an indicator that, yeah, we're, we're butting up against something. We're actually looking to create change um, I mean, the amount of times that we get told to just make ice cream is <laughs> phenomenal. But, um, but you know, in that depths of the you know Twitter feed, Facebook feed, Instagram feed, it's our fans saying, "Don't you know who they are? <laughs> of course, they're not just going to make ice cream, right?" And so, I think, you know, um, it's hard. Like, taking controversial stance is hard, I think. Bring your community along, bring your company along is really important. You know, supporting marriage equality back in 2009 was, I mean, we were supporting it, but it, like, and this was early days of social. The, like, the self-care we needed to provide for our community managers was real, right? Saying Black Lives Matter in 2016, we had someone walk into one of our scoop shops and spit in the face of a 16-year-old black girl.
0: Jeez.
2: And to be honest with you, we should have better prepared her. And I think that the work we do now, that was a big eye-opener. Uh, obviously, we're very proud to have taken a stand there and we will continue to do that work. But we, we take a lot more care in considering and preparing our frontline po- employees, whether it's in the shops, community managers, consumer affairs, etc., uh,
0: that's important. What about Patagonia?
3: Um, because we I mean- also get told to quit, get out of politics, or yeah, get out of politics, stick to making jackets, mm-hmm. like all of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, first, I just have to say, I'm so sorry that happened to you, your colleague. I, that is that should not happen, and that's terrible. Um, the uh, so so yeah we get that and I when we look at the comments um, you know the people who say that we should get out of politics um, most of them are not our customers um, and so that's a reality and I think that's like if you're thinking about a campaign like this and you get that take a look at who those people are because they're probably not the people you are trying to reach or you're, they're probably not your community. Um, the other thing is is we're not afraid to lose some customers because we're doing the right thing. Um, and so if people disagree with our stance on climate change or the protection of public lands and waters, like that's okay. Uh, we find that there's lots of people that are, and our business has grown um, over the past few years as we've <laughs> increased our advocacy. Um, in fact, it's grown quite a bit, and we're not increasing our advocacy to grow our business but that's an outcome and that's a reality. And um, I think in the sort of world of capitalism needing to evolve, the business roundtable and the biggest companies in the world saying that we should do more than care about shareholders, it's an important proof point to note that when you do the right thing, often it does benefit your business. It might not happen overnight, um, but it will benefit your business in the long run. And just one point on this sort of, you know, how scary is this and what kind of backlash, um, was recently introduced to some research uh, by Futera and the Consumer Goods Forum. Um, And they did a survey that um, not surprisingly found that most people, 98%, uh, think that uh, brands have a responsibility to make positive change. But here's what's interesting. In looking at millennials and Gen Z, 64% Sixty-four percent of millennia- millennials are satisfied with the fact that brands are making positive change. Only twelve percent of Gen Z is satisfied with the brands um, and making positive change. That means we should all be doing a lot more to make positive change. And um, I mean, this, these are our future uh, customers and community, and I think we should be awake to to that reality. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we've run out of time already. I have like a million yes. other things I want to talk about. Um, but thank you so much. That was incredibly inspiring. And I hope, you know, everyone out there is now ready to go and take some action. Um, thank you so much to my, to my guests and uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack
2: the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.